the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I'm your host, and I'm very excited to be joined by a very special guest on the occasion of the release of his third book. You may know him as the genius behind the Run the Alps tour guide company, but his third book out today, which is going to be when we release this pod, is called The Race That Changed Running, The Inside Story of UTMB. I'm very excited to get into it and talk with author Doug Mayer. Doug, nice welcome to, to the Pain Cave. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, fine. Doing doing well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's great to have you on, and congratulations on the book. I just finished it a couple of days ago. It is fabulous. Um, the, the The photos are great, but the stories are even better, and I really am very excited to talk about it with you. But hey. before we do, you're, you're just back from Innsbruck, where you were covering yes. the World Trail Running Championships. Tell us a little bit about that. It was really wonderful. Um, I was there. I do some writing for Ultra Sign Up, which is now getting into content, the ultra, uh, their Ultra Sign Up news. And um, yeah, I spent uh, pretty much the week in Innsbruck for the, you know, every two years, World Mountain and Trail Running Championships. Uh, it was fun, really good energy, really good vibe beautiful trails. I actually, I mean, it's ridiculous. I live in the Alps here. I live in Chamonix, France, and um, I had never been over to Innsbruck in that area, and it's wonderful. It looks like uh, some some really good, we all agreed, we want, all wanted, all of us from Chamonix, we all want to come back. Uh, <laughs> and it, it was very exciting. You know, it's, it's a really interesting format because they have, obviously, you know, individual winners, but there's also a team format where what they do on the courses is they'll take the, the cumulative time of the top three from any country. Right. And that becomes your team score. Yeah. And, and so then they had like a team competition across all the events this year too, right? Like the cumulative right. team of all four races, which was pretty exactly. cool. Which was cool too. And yeah, totally. And um, so you know, in a lot of races, um, you know, people who are up front will just try to maintain the gap and or they're, they'll settle for a certain spot. And, you know, that sometimes happens here. Every second matters. Right. So you had as a wonderful story I put in this article I wrote where you know, Emily Schmitz from the United States, who lives over here, she um she was, you know, running along and she, and she and another runner, I'm just blanking on who now, uh, just, um, you know, in, in the last couple of miles, like, come on, let's bring it in. Like, we got to pick up the pace. Uh, you know, every second counts. And the two of them ran in together really fast. This was on the, on the, what they called trail long, which was a pretty brutal course of, I don't know, 80 some odd K. About 80K, yeah meters yeah so um uh, there's good energy all around a lot of uh really good support and everyone just supporting and cheering everyone else on they they had about a total of about fifty thousand people spread out over basically a week um so wow. it's sort of like you know here here in chamonix utmb can be pretty overwhelming and, and this felt a little more manageable. Um, you know, it didn't maybe didn't have quite the drama, did not have the drama of a UTMB, 
but it was a really wonderful experience. It, it felt it felt like old home week. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's friends and wander around. You can go up and and talk to athletes and uh, so everyone and the organizing uh, committee did a wonderful job. You know, really, I, I think um, you know everybody was raving about it by the end of the week. Yeah. What what made yeah. it more manageable? I mean, I, I think Innsbruck is a bigger city than or town than than Chamonix is. I know they've they've yeah. hosted the Olympics before. Is there just more infrastructure there sure. that made it feel more manageable? Yeah. Uh, Innsbruck is is you know Cham is basically somewhere between like a large village. I wouldn't quite call it a city. You know, it's it's a, yeah. it's a big town. Um, and uh, you know, Innsbruck is a really small city, so um it felt really manageable because the numbers weren't so big or, or weren't overwhelming you weren't in this crush of people uh so you could walk around there was room to maneuver and visit um and and it was just really well organized yeah so uh you know you could hop on a bus and get a ride to watch part of the course or there, there was also good public transportation uh they had a lot of sort of you know you know bands and, and music playing at different times uh uh it was just a good vibe basically that's awesome yeah 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 i mean i think this thing is happening you know now that um all these groups all these acronyms have come together right iau itra uh wmrc under the umbrella of world Athlet athletics so, you know starting in thailand uh this feels like it's got some energy behind it so it'll be really cool yeah this is the first time i feel like in my years of following the sport that it has felt like there's momentum behind the world championships i think like you said just yeah kind of centralizing it a little bit and and the the big thing for me as a fan following it is yeah. Having them all at the same time, like combining the the what was the long distance trail championships with the uphill only championships and the up and down, and these were all disparate events. You had the short mountain championships, and and yeah. they, they were all over the world at different times of the year, and the schedule was always hard yeah. to follow. And bring them all together so that people like Ali Mack and other folks can run you know multiple races and yeah. have the, all the teams together at the same time. What a huge what a huge step forward for them. It, it was super cool. Like it felt like it had a critical mass uh, of, of events, of organizations, of, you know, people, teams. So um, it, because of that, exactly that, it had some, some momentum. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, you know, Spain in two years and yeah, uh, a number of us were, were leaving Innsbruck saying, Oh, can't wait for this. Can't wait for the, you know two two more years and and it'll be the same energy and scene and stuff. Yeah, that's so awesome. It's, yeah, it's really cool. What uh, what was your what was your highlight from a in terms of the competition? Like, what was the what what was kind of what stood out to you? Boy, um, I mean, if I had to pick pick, I don't know. Um, I would say, uh, well, I look. <laughs> I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for uh, ceremony, and mm. it was really funny seeing, or not really funny. It was really wonderful seeing seeing the U.S. team. You know, the U.S. sent 39 athletes, um, uh, and seeing them all on stage for the 
what was it now the team bronze you know cheering and celebrating like that was that was a really like a feel-good moment yeah uh that was really nice and um you know seeing zach miller race in general always was, was really nice like you know he's he's endured you know some ongoing injuries he's he's over the years had kind of you know some good results and some mixed results here in chamonix so it was really nice to see him have um a great uh trail long event yeah uh, yeah the uh was, i mean stateside following along the big stories were definitely um grayson winning the the up and down obviously cool. and then the sprint finish with Drew and Zach and Eric uh, exactly. going, you know, in the, in the team battle with France. That that was all over social media the last week. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. That 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 was really fun to see. Um, see see that like what was it the you know five seconds or something that separated it was crazy them? crazy yeah yeah really cool. So that was great. And and France did France did such a really strong team. Oh yeah. Uh, so you know that was great. Uh, just a, a lot, a lot of good stuff. The vertical was was really fun to watch. I actually, you know, one cool thing that I don't know if people realize, but um, I actually got to race the vertical because several of the events had had public races as well. Oh wow! So, yeah, so I raced the vertical at eleven o'clock, and then I think it, and then it was what men and women at noon and one or something like that or one and two uh so it it was really cool you know got to you know run the same course finish chill take it easy you know change into some some dry clothes get something to drink and then watch the world's best runners tackle the same course that's amazing so, yeah very well organized it's it really bodes well for the future and and i didn't see much of it because i good fortune of being there but you know i understand like you know the live streaming was was really quite good yeah yeah excellent coverage which is you know just another step forward for the sport it's so great yeah totally awesome well Doug, let's get a little bit into the the uh, main main focus of the conversation today, which is you know yeah. uh, Chamonix and UTMB and and everything surrounding it and the book and everything else. So um, I know oh. that you're a, a a New England boy, I think, to begin with, right? How did you uh, how did you find yourself yeah. in Chamonix? Yeah, it's a good good question. I didn't expect it would happen, um, uh, but I have an aunt and uncle who my uncle is a he's retired now, but was an Eastern Eastern European uh, political scientist uh, professor. So as growing up as as kids, and then and then a little later in life, my brothers and I would come over here whenever we could afford a plane ticket and go climbing and trail running. And I really got into the trail running scene here. Uh, it's just um, it's in, it's I find it. You know, in the U.S., I mean, the thing somebody said once, I think maybe Megan Hicks, I don't know. Uh, I always attribute it to her. Um, but in in the U.S., there are these pockets with with mountain culture. We all know, you know, those places. Um, over here, mountain culture is the culture. So you go in a trail race in, in the Alps and you pick up the newspaper the next day and there it is on the front page. You know, uh, it's like they really tra trail running here is is mainstream. 
which for an American is is not something we're really used to. Right. So uh, I got caught up in that. There's so many, there's so much trail running going on here. Uh, there are days in Chamonix when there are absolutely, I see more trail runners than hikers. Um, and half the hikers are wearing, you know, trail running vests. Uh, <laughs> so uh, there's just a, uh, I mean, I, I love it all. So, uh, you, you know, I, I don't pick favorites. I, you know, I'm from North, the, the Northern White Mountains in New Hampshire. And I love going for a long run there, you know, see hardly anyone, great technical terrain. You know, here you can go trail running and you can run up to a hut and, you know, have a piece of blueberry pie and a, a <laughs> cup of coffee and talk to the caretaker who's been there for 20 years and, and then on you go to the next hut, uh, you know, and the scenery is obviously like pretty spectacular. So anyway, that, I mean, that all pulled me in and I would spend, you know, summers over here working, you know, remotely when I could some summers and then, um, and then friends, friends would come over, we'd go trail running and then friends of friends would come over you know, word got out that like, oh, you, you know, you want to go trail running in the Alps, you should, here's an email of a guy who seems to know something <laughs> about it. Uh, yeah, so um, uh, one thing led to another and I decided, well, maybe I'll try organizing some, some trips. And that was 10 years ago and that, and that was run the Alps. Now we're based in Chamonix and uh, you know, it just, um, along with the rest of trail running, it just keeps, you know, booming. Yeah. So we've got about a dozen guides now, about an equal number of freelance staff, several full-time people, um, and uh, do trail guided and self-guided trips, you know, all around the Alps. So uh, when you start, it, when you started running the Alps, you were still living stateside? I was, yeah, I was living stateside. I worked at National Public Radio for many years as a producer. Yeah, I saw uh, you were you were a producer on Car Talk. Is that right? Yeah, I worked on the old show Car Talk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one yeah. of the, one of the one of the all time classics. Oh well, yeah. Sorry if you had to suffer through some of it. No, love oh. Car Talk. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were the what the the, the black sheep of NPR. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so Car Talk was winding down, and we were taking more and more time off during the summer uh still working but not taping as many shows and i i uh the good fortune of being able to work you know i would trail run in the morning and then, then i would work 3 p.m to to 11 p.m over here to be in sync with the u.s you know east coast schedule right and i, I did that for a number of years and you know every year i would finish the season with a longer list of trail running things i wanted to check out <laughs> So it wasn't like I was ticking things off. So uh, <laughs> and it's still the way it's still that way over here. I mean, there's so much going on and, and honestly, all of it, like Chamonix is really the focal point of it in part because of UTMB, but also, you know, ITRA, the International Trail Running Association was, was founded here. It has what I think might be the world's largest, um, in-person trail running club, uh, CMBM has something like 300 members, uh, three, two or three times a week, uh, training sessions, professional coach, 
uh, several professional coaches. Um, there's just endless amounts of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's fun. Yeah. You talked about in the book, the, the role that CMBM played in the founding of the race, uh, which I found really interesting. That was a piece of it. I didn't know about. Yeah. I, I mean, I call, I call all of this, my sort of Forrest Gump position. Like I just fell into the right spot at the right time. <laughs> you know, I had been writing, you know, for the last five or six years or more, I've written for a trail runner magazine. Uh, and, you know, every year, a couple of times a year, we'd write some kind of article about UTMB. And I got to know the founders, you know, really pretty well, Catherine and, and Michelle. And, um, you know, what was interesting for me was that, uh, Whenever I asked them a question about something that, you know, maybe was generating a lot of heat or there was a lot of confusion about, um, they always gave a really interesting answer. And it was often something I didn't know anything about. Uh, and the more in interviews I did, the more I heard about, oh, like some of the background and some of their thinking and reasoning behind things. Um, you know, I didn't always agree with their decisions, but I had a much better understanding of why they were making certain choices or why they had stuck to certain policies. Um, you know, and I was just curious. I mean, I think the book comes, I can I can really honestly say just out of like a pure curiosity. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't, you know, the things about UTMB I don't care for and there are things about UTMB I adore. So I, I, I think I firmly have one foot in each camp. Um, and, uh, you know, but I was always really curious. Yeah. And, and, you know, what they said, which I thought was very interesting at one point, you know, Michelle said to me, and we did a lot of interviews together. We did, I did about 20 hours of interviews with the Pilates. Um, you know, Michelle said, uh, uh, I just wish people would ask, uh, you know, I wish they would call me if, they have a disagreement and you know it's often the case that people and it's and and i'm not i don't want to i'm not criticizing here i think it's under a lot of it is understandable where if you're looking at something from a distance and you don't have some context um you know we all sort of like make assumptions and jump to conclusions and you know oftentimes they're they're not right <laughs> right uh, and and so uh, I felt like with the book, I had an opportunity to um, try to show them for who I understood them to be, you know, which is kind of, uh, I mean, they're, you know, unique in their own way, but like many of us, they're, you know, ambitious, slightly flawed, you know, have a lot of great ideas, work really hard, uh, have, an, you know, uh, and interest have had their share of life challenges, um, are not the millionaires everyone assumes they are. Um, they still live in the same, you know. Michelle's father was a was a mason, and uh, and Catherine and Michelle met at university, and they were going to move to Paris. But but uh, a, friend, a psychologist friend of Catherine said, you know, Michelle Michelle was not very psyched about the possibility of. You know, he'd grown up in Chamonix and didn't want to move to Paris. And a, a friend of Catherine's, a psychologist, said, well, you have 
you have two choices. You can move to Paris and take antidepressants, or you can move back to Chamonix <laughs> and figure out what you're going to do. You know, I, I thought that was a wonderful uh, saying because I, I feel like at various times we've all, all, all had a choice like that of some kind. Um, so uh, they moved back to Chamonix and they renovated the garage of Michelle's father, who had just retired as a mason, like literally the garage where they changed the oil in the trucks. And that's their home today. Uh, and as they sometimes said during interviews, um, you know, look, if we wanted to make a bunch of money, we would have sold UTMB a long time ago. Um, that's just not where their interest is. Uh, you know, I, I just met with them today in town. We were getting ready for a, a book event. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, they, they have a passion for the sport. You know, both of them do. Catherine doesn't run anymore because of, you know, various health health issues. Um, but, uh, you know, Michelle's run something like 85 ultras. Uh, so it's not a question. It's not like they're, you know, businessmen or business people who just wanted to make a buck. Right. So there, there are definitely some misconceptions about them, you know, who they are, you know, what their interests are um so there's a lot yeah yeah how how much of that how much of those misconceptions or or maybe um misunderstandings comes from just a different kind of perception of the sport you know maybe an american versus a european sensibility because reading the book i i I do feel like a, a lot of what you're saying comes through in that they are committed to the sport and everything else but i think I think the the culture behind the sport, I, I think anyone would agree, is different. And I think, yeah. and and the thing that keeps coming up over and over, um, yeah, in in the book and in the real world, is I don't want to say a lack of communication, but just the the communication doesn't always line up, and their intentions don't always aren't always clear because I don't think they're great at, to this point. I don't think they've been great communicators. I think Dylan points that out in the book a couple of times. And, and how, so how much of it, how much of it is that is just that, that our expectations are not the same as their expectations or the, 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 the yeah. styles of the sport are different and, and we don't communicate well yeah. about that. There's a whole, uh, there's a whole lot to unpack there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, on the communication front, absolutely. I mean, I I have told them. I said, look, guys, um, you know, if UTMB were an American company, you'd be sending out a press release every week with whatever the news was. But um, and you know, I'm I'm not an expert on French culture by any stretch. I've lived here five or six years full time now, uh, part time before that, you know. But I think there's a certain a certain almost you know re, you know reticence to promote yourself, which we really don't seem to have in the U.S. Right? I mean, like the uh, you know extrovert self promoter seems to get a lot of attention sometimes in the U.S. Right. And um and that's just not their style, which is fine unless you're running you know what arguably is the world's most important trail race. Um, right. You know, and and it's and because they're pushing boundaries in what I think is sort of a soul sport that people feel very uh, close to and very protective of, um, 
uh, they're closely watched and people, some, sometimes people get, you know, scared that they're going, it's going to shift the sport in some fundamental way, uh, you know, and into that vacuum, you, you feed all of the, these emotions and when there's not a proactive effort to explain your position, assumptions get made right and sometimes they're right but i think usually they're wrong <laughs> uh, you know, like most, most of the assumptions i've ever made in my life um uh, uh so so there's there's a lot going on there uh there's you know cultural stuff personal stuff and the fact that utmb is extremely you know influential and and i think and the last thing i'll just say is that i think there's some critics who feel that it's a zero sum game, like the UTMB's growth is going to come at the expense of something else. And I, 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 I just don't see that. Um, you know, look, I'm, I'm also among other things, the race co-director of a, of a trail race in Randolph, New Hampshire that caps the entries at 100 people. Uh, you know, so I really do love, and there's some wonderful little races all around the Alps here. Um, you know, and all of that is flourishing. You know, trail running's trail running's a growing universe, so there's really more room for for everyone. Um, I mean, I think there's some nuances. If you're talking, if you're an elite athlete these days, you sort of have to pick and choose. That's what I was going to say. Yep, go on. Sorry. And yeah, yeah. And and UTMB has built an ecosystem where you have to, you know, come up through the World Series to get to Chamonix. And yeah, I mean, you know, the alternative, which they have had been trying at different points was like, you know, uh, accruing points, going into a lottery, um, you know, taking your chances there, the lottery odds were getting farther, you know, harder and harder. Um, you know, but look, it's also shrewd business to, uh, you know, say you've got to gather, you know, stones together. Uh, sure, that's you're, you're controlling the avenues in and you're profiting off the avenues in. That yeah. makes that makes complete business sense, obviously. I mean, that's the business side of UTMB and UTMB, you know, you know, UTMB has a nonprofit arm, which started the year or two after the race started, but, you know, but it's also very much a business. So, right. so there you go. You know, there's a lot of tensions. Uh, Michelle Paletti talks about it as being, being on, on an arete where, you know, it's kind of an, I always thought an apt metaphor and makes sense here in Chamonix where all you have to do is look at the skyline and there are, you know, ridges or arets you know, everywhere. When uh, on one side you have values, on one side you have have business, and you try to move up the arete without falling on either side. Um, and you know what a lot of people don't realize is that there was a value statement and and stated values in the very first brochure that UTMB printed for the first edition, which which stated you know, their values of trail running. And, you know, I interviewed Killian for this book 
And he had some wonderful things to say about values. And, you know, one of them was that um, every race director is going to bring their own values to their event. And he, in part, picks and chooses his races based on the values of that race. So, you know, he's decided that the pro, you know, the be the, the benefits and the things of interest for him about UTMB out, outweigh whatever his personal negatives are. Um, and that's a decision we each, we each have to make. Right. Right. Uh, I think, you know, the example he gave was, uh, you know, if a trail race was sponsored by, uh, the company total over here, total is like a, you know, huge gas company. Um, mm -hmm. he said, look, I'm not going to do that trail race. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like that's just not, I don't want to support that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we all have to personally make the choice of which race aligns close enough with our values that we're going to do it. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, UTMB is a business. So, uh, uh, you know, it's not, um, you know, the Randolph Ramble in Randolph, New Hampshire, you know, <laughs> where all the proceeds donated to a local charity uh but but it's maybe just i'm kind of wandering a bit here but the last thing i guess i'd say on that point is that it's not all business for them it's the arete and so they so you know they have an association a nonprofit that started like really basically maybe in the very first year or first or second year and um you know and they raise a lot of money for a lot of organizations they they spend it on trail work they it supports all the twenty five hundred volunteers they have, so uh, there's a lot of passion as well, mm -hmm. you know, with that. Yeah, I, I you you hit on a lot of really interesting stuff, and and you know I don't want to I don't want this to become like a you know you answer for all the sins of UTNB or anything like that. Um, <laughs> oh no, don't worry, I won't do that. <laughs> Um, but you, you hit on a lot of, yeah. of, of interesting yeah. stuff I want to talk about. But, but um, before we get into just a couple of, of those things, I, I did want to mention Killian because you, you brought up Killian and, yeah. and he does play a, an interesting role in the book, obviously a, yeah. a central figure in the history of UTMB and, yeah. and trail and ultra running in general. He, he I, I think a lot of what you're talking about, this conflict or this this visualization as an arete is really brought to brought to life by Killian in this book where it seems as though, you know, if you if you stood back from afar and and you know looked at at Killian's relationship with the race and vice versa, they yeah. they kind of they kind of grew up together, right? I mean, Killian would not be who Killian is without UTMB, and I think you could say the same that UTMB wouldn't be the same without Killian and and the role that he played, especially in the first five to seven years of its existence. But the the and, and maybe I'm reading too much in between the lines no, of no, the book, but. But right, the yeah. the relationship doesn't seem necessarily completely harmonious, or or I should say they they seem to. I think Killian and 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 the the race yeah. or the Pilates seem to to uh, regard each other more with um, respect and admiration, maybe than love. Um, I, I think that the the relationship seems seems complicated to me. I th you know it's a really good question. I think that's right. Um, 
and, 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 you know, look, I, I mean, I think sometimes we, we all swing back and forth on different topics, right? And I do know that, at least in my understanding, that, you know, Killian and Michelle, because they're both trail runners, you know, have, you know, bond, bond over those topics. But yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the very first edition, Killian got uh, a penalty. Right. I, I write about that in the book. And I and I interviewed both sides on that. And, you know, to this day, um, uh, they don't agree on it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was, uh, what, 2008. And, um, uh, but at the same time, there are aspects, you know, Killian talks about UTMB about racing UTMB as being really the only 100 miler where he has to like strategize every single section, mm. which what you would do at like uh, for Killian, maybe like a Zagama or Sears and all, where, you know, he, he said very frankly to me, and in, in a lot of 100 milers, it might normally be about, you know, keeping, maintaining a, a decent gap. Right. So being out front and first and knowing that there's 20 or 30 minutes there or something, you can't do that at UTMB. Like he, he says he really enjoys racing UTMB because, you know, it's sort of like game on, you know, like you got to play your cards perfectly. I mean, look, we had two runners this past year go under 20 hours. I mean, yeah. that's, that's incredible on that yeah. course, you know, um, and so uh, there are aspects of it that he loves. And, you know, if he were race director, I'm sure there were things he would change. But I, I do think there's a certain symbiosis there where they really have have helped each other. And to, you know, as trail running's grown, right? Killian has brought attention on UTMB. And, and in the early days, you know, UTMB you know, brought a lot of attention, you know, to, to Killian as he was just getting, he was a, a schema racer going in, in trail races. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really interesting relationship that, yeah, yeah. I think is like you said, a little more complicated than, than you might otherwise. It, it's, it's very interesting that, and you get that in the book that, right. That, that the, the wounds yeah. of 15 years ago have not completely healed from, from even that first decision, which is pretty funny. They're both, I would say, it's really interesting. They're, I would say both um, the Pilates and Killian are very, I think they have a lot of respect for each other. I know they have a lot of respect for each yes. other. They've said that. Yes. And and, and, and I believe believe it. Um, uh, you know, but they march to the beat of different drummers. Um, I mean, you know, honestly, it's not... Uh, I, I'm no, I'm no Killian, uh, but in terms of the writing, it feels a little bit like the same relationship I, I have with them. I mean, I was able to get like total access to everything I wanted at UTMB and as much time of, of Catherine and Michelle to ask them anything I wanted. Um, and so we spent I mean, it got to be a joke at the end where I was, I would say, you know, I need another hour, you know, <laughs> and they would say like, well, okay, what about next Monday at 3 p.m.? Uh, and, uh, but we don't agree on everything. You know, we don't see eye to eye on stuff. And they, um, uh, 
but but over the years you know I, I think they've seen the stuff i've written and i've always always tried to reach out to them for an explanation and they haven't always gotten that so um so there's enough respect there that they they basically gave me free reign with no editorial control on their end mm -hmm. to write whatever i wanted uh and have total access to everything so i was in a really lucky position yeah uh, but we disagree on stuff you know yeah t talk a little bit about that because this it, it comes through in the book the book does not read like hagiography or anything like that it's not you know it, it's 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 very fair i mean you can you can yeah you know i, I reading it you can sense that you have a deep love for the race and the event yeah. and at, at least Right, uh, significant respect for the Palettis, and and they seem like yeah. people that you like, but but you can sense that there is some not tension between you personally, but yeah. but that that yeah. that you're you're fair about the criticisms of the race. And look, there's there's a lot. I mean, I just jotted down some of the things that um, you know people, okay. especially stateside, have have talked about. There's you know uh, one of the uh, you know they're slow on a lot of issues where they should be leading prize money, Absolutely. prize money equity between genders, between races, um, the, the, the qualifying yeah. system, which is really placing a huge burden on people to travel to races is, has both, yeah. uh, tough financial and environmental impacts. A lot of the money that people see being generated doesn't seem like it's trickling down to the athletes. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. And right. like right. you said, there, there's, I think their intentions are mostly good, and and I think a lot of this, like we said, is communication. But what are some of the what are some of the things that you don't necessarily see eye to eye with them on? Well, I mean, look, I just sort of have, um, and some of this I think is cultural. You know, some of this is our personalities and different personalities. I, you know, I think, um, you know, Stephanie Case has a wonderful quote in the book. When I interviewed her, she talked about. Um, uh, we all sort of have a choice in the world as to whether we're going to be uh, a mirror that reflects back society uh, or a door to right. something that we think is better. And, um, and UTMB has very much always been a mirror. Uh, you know, the story of the podium goes and, and, and prizes, I thought was very interesting uh, I researched it with a friend of mine who's a French podcaster, trail running podcaster. And, you know, when they when they started the podium, uh, it was, you know, 10 men and five and five women. Right. And, and that was actually the norm in, in Europe at the time, 20 years ago. Um, it doesn't make it right. Right. Not at all. Um but, you know, I don't know that you can fault them in 2003 for doing what every other race is doing. Right, so, right. And actually, yeah. there, like you said, that's that was not a that was not unique to them in Europe and honestly, not even in the U.S. I mean, we go back to um, it wasn't yeah. all that long ago that the the Vermont 100, I think, had the same issue with yeah. with 10, uh -huh. 10 men and five women. I think the right. difference is that people saw, at least to speak in the Vermont uh, side of things, just as, huh? as that example, yeah, yeah, yeah. people saw them as as recognizing it and acting a little bit more quickly, whereas oftentimes it seems UTMB, 
you know, Michelle and, and Catherine talk about, you know, bringing the sport as a whole into a new phase, which I think they've they've yeah. certainly done. But at the same time, um, some, yeah, some people might say they're not leaders on some of these other issues. They they're, they kind of wait for the tide to catch up to them and pull yeah. them forward rather than being out in front. And we were just talking about this today, actually. Um, yeah, look, I think the the bad news is they're reactive and the good news is they're reactive. <laughs> uh, you know, they do eventually shift, but yes. it, it's not as as nimble as my personal, my, you know, personal American progressive sensibility would like. Um, you know, so uh, they're moving at their pace and for a lot... Yeah, I mean, look, they, they have, you know, with what's the Spider-Man line, right? With great power comes great responsibility. Sure. So, or that wasn't Spider-Man, but what? His uncle or something? Someone out there will know. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you wish that they were, were leading in all of these areas. Right. And, you know, I do think the new pregnancy policy they announced is, is, is um, you know, dramatically progressive mm -hmm. uh so uh, you know i actually I, I should have asked them about that today i'll have to ask about it tomorrow but um uh i think that's um you know uh, you, you know now that they they really have to grapple with truly being an international race or an international race organization with you know 30 to 50 races all around the world uh that have to um, all sort of operate under, you know, broadly speaking, one set of guidelines. So that's a challenge. Um, and yeah, I hope there'll be more, I hope they'll, I hope they'll lead more on social issues, which is, I, I think it's in, in many ways, not a French corporate thing. Right. Uh, look, I, I'm probably headed into perilous territory because, <laughs> You know, it's not an area of expertise for me, but at least at least with a lot of companies I know here, you know, they just they sort of do their thing and they're not and they and they aren't always as comfortable maybe as the U.S. as, as U.S. companies might be being out front on things. Right. Uh, so uh, the good news is that they do eventually change and come around and they and they are you know, willing to adjust when they feel that something has is outmoded or 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 needs needs yeah needs to be brought up to date. You know, prize money is another example of that. Uh, you know, one of their good friends, you know, Tim Tolson, uh, who you know he has their ear and he told them, uh, you know, with all due respect, this is an antiquated idea that you know. We're not going to give out prize money because everybody, because it keeps everyone, you know, equal sort of. Yeah. You know, you have people, right? Like it's, that's, it's not 2003 anymore. Or, or 1973. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's, it's, um, uh, you know, you have athletes, many athletes training year round for UTMB. Right. And, you know, I mean, you have, you know, Jim Walmsley moved over here, to, you know, specifically to sort of, you know, intern almost under guys like Francois Den uh, and really sort of 
try to become an expert uh, at, at trail running in the Alps. Uh, and so we need to compensate them fairly for their for their time and efforts, right? Yeah, the, you, you talk you tell a story in the book about how in the early days of uh, Michelle and Catherine organizing events, they saw um, prize money and and uh, awards kind of being, I don't want to say stolen, yeah. but um, you know the, the, the oh, influence so, of, of right, <laughs> right uh, of yeah. of uh, managers and and coaches, yeah. uh, particularly of, of of African runners who were you know really kind of taking advantage, and they wanted to uh, kind of eliminate that that side of the sport, but uh, and exactly. and also to keep keep dopers out of out of the sport and and that sort of thing by by not incentivizing them with prize money, yeah. um, but yeah. you know it, the 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 race you know. I, obviously, like we've been talking about, it's a big business. Um, you know, the the doping issue is one that is not obviously unique to UTMB, trail running, ultra running, or anything like that. But you know, it, th this seems like an area where they can kind of pump some of the the money back into the sport and being a leader on the yeah. anti doping front, rather than kind of I don't want to say hiding behind that as a reason not to pay the athletes, but um, to be a little yeah. bit more. Again, it's just an opportunity to be proactive well, rather than reactive. I think. Yeah, I mean that's something that's you know awfully complicated because what we really need is you know out of competition testing, as I yep. understand it. Yep. But uh, which is expensive and complicated. But um, uh, yeah, you know, the story of the prize money is I thought it was quite dramatic. Um, you know, Catherine when she was at. Um, uh, which she was the treasurer for for the Mobile Marathon, and yeah, and she tells a story where she it was an era when a lot of East African runners were were you know winning the marathon, and they would have their award ceremony, and then the manager would come up to her and would say, "You make that check out to me," right, and. You know, she knew exactly what was going on. You know, the athletes weren't getting that check. You know, who knows what fraction of it they were getting of of it, if anything. Uh, and and it and it horrified her, like it really was etched in her memory right. as, as a terrible experience. And so. You know, it's one of maybe one of these situations where you can, you know, explain it but not excuse it. Like they probably should have addressed price money earlier, but you can certainly understand how if you had had an experience like that, yep, that you would feel like, let me tell you about prize money. You know, here's how <laughs> I feel about prize money. Right. You know, I, had, I was handing these checks to these corrupt managers. Like you know, that's her experience. That was her experience for with with uh, you know prize money. Yeah. So it's understandable, uh, but um, yeah, and you know, finally this last year, the World Series money has has come come up to uh, you know something you know, much more reasonable. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Yeah, and, and and I think like you said, they they get there. They it just I think takes oftentimes longer than than people might like. I, again, I don't I don't want this to be a, a bag on UTMB thing, but I, I think we do need to address a little bit just the the. Oh, I think. The, yeah, I think it's. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Iron Man and you know them coming yeah. into into this onto the scene. Yeah. Just as, as somebody 
you know, on the ground there in Chamonix um, and yeah. somebody close to the Pilates. Have you, what, what changes have you seen uh, since uh, the, the introduction of Ironman into either the, the way the race is run, the way that communications go, uh, you know, yeah. or, or in, in the way that, that the Pilates, you know, view the, view the, the enterprise? Yeah. Well, look, I think it's, I think it was probably a very wise partnership for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, and uh, when I first started paying attention to UTMB, you know, the press releases and the website were filled with, um, you know, what we would call flows MEs, like, uh, you know, not quite the right word. Mm. Like, you can't really say it's a mythical trail race. You know, you can't really say call trail runners trailers. Trailers are something different. Um, you know, they're uh, way past that now. Um, and, you know, Iron Man, look, if you spend any time on social media, you see the level of sophistication of the social media now, the storytelling, uh, you know, all of that. And, um you know, I, I think in, you know, Iron Man has the capacity that they they never really had to, you know, organize a World Series. You, you know, they're, I mean, they did make a, a pretty valiant effort in partnership with a, a guy named uh, Remy Duchemin mm -hmm. with the uh, UTMB International, but in and, and, and Ultra Trail World Tour. But but those weren't quite at the level of organization, integration, consistency that they really needed to, they were all always sort of a little bit fraught with, with difficulty. Uh, so um, Ironman has brought what they're good at, which is, you know, and, you know, international sophistication at sports marketing. Mm -hmm. Uh and, and what has changed? Um, oh, well, for one, there are a lot more people working at the office. <laughs> uh, you know, when I first got here, it was a small office of like, I don't know, seven or eight people. Uh, you know, today there's something like a staff of 50 in the region, mm -hmm. you know, most of whom are here in Chamonix at what they call uh, you know, Maison UTMB, the UTMB house. Um, uh, so, so certainly there's been an, an infusion of cash to build out the World Series, uh, and we can talk about some of that if you want, but, um, uh, you know, but there's also been a lot of sophistication brought in. I mean, the, the, you know, Expo at UTMB this past year, you know, had, you could not get to anything without walking through the UTMB, you know, tent right. and having a chance to buy a UTMB shirt. Sure. <clears throat> and, and that's part of the business model. And I mean, I sort of feel like if we don't like that, we, you know, we sort of have no one to fault but ourselves. Right. I mean, if, if the shirts weren't selling, they <laughs> Iron Man would stop printing them tomorrow. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm, I don't know. It might be one of those cases where, uh, you know, do as I do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, uh, 
you know, th there's a lot of people who kind of decry the commercialism or, or whatever it is. And then, right. I mean, there, there's an element of, we asked for this, right. Um, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm not a, I'm not anti-progress in any strategy. And, I, and generally, honestly, look, I, I don't, I didn't have any experience with Ironman prior to their involvement with yeah. UTMB. I have a lot of friends who did and, and had a lot of negative things to say about it, but, um, from my perspective, yeah. Do, do I wish it was a different partner? Yeah, maybe I don't know. But yeah. um, you know, th this is, you know, th this is what we wanted in terms of we want the sport, or at least for me, I, I I'm excited yeah. that the sport's bigger. I'm excited that there's more professionalism in it, um, yeah. in in certain aspects of it. I will say that that uh, you know, I was out at at um, Canyons last month. Oh, okay, all right, uh, great. For for I was I was working at the expo for my with my coaching service. And it was, I mean, uh -huh. the, the race ops that, that the, the race ops expertise that Ironman brings to race organization, mm -hmm. the course, you know, the whole race day experience is, is quite impressive. Um, yeah. Like you said, you can't walk into the expo without walking past, you know, a bunch of, you know, hundred dollar t-shirts and everything yeah. else. Um, but right. right. If, if, if people didn't buy them, that wouldn't be the case. The thing that, the thing that struck me and, and maybe it's just like, you shouldn't spend eight hours a day for three days straight in a race expo is just, uh, and, and maybe that's all it is, but it did by the end feel like, you know, I, I could see this model being reproduced all over the world and it just all starts to feel very homogenous, right? Just like, you know, yeah. it, it just starts feeling like you're at a big city marathon and, and, and a lot of that culture, I, I don't want to yeah. say the culture is lost, but you know, and like you said, it's not a zero sum game. Those small events will always be out there. There will always be races yeah. for people to run that aren't under this umbrella. But, um, you know, it was a little disheartening to to kind of and, and maybe, like I said, maybe it's just like, yeah, don't spend eight hours a day for three straight days and, and it won't. No, that's probably that the way. best thing that you could have done. You 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 totally got saturated. It. <laughs> Although I'm glad it was it was you, not me. Um, uh, <laughs> Look, I think I think it's important to say that like uh, Iron Man is a business, right? And you know they are in this for business reasons, and we should and we should you know watch their actions carefully. Look, they have a history. I mean, the little I know about, you know, I'm in a similar position. I interviewed some some um, triathlon owners, and I interviewed some you know, triathletes, uh, about Ironman and look, they're, uh, they, they are an aggressive, uh, tough company. Yeah. And, and, and let's, let's be sure we don't, you know, you know, sugarcoat the story here. I mean, they're in this to make money. And as someone, um, I think it was Dave, maybe Dave Beach, wonderful guy who used to be with Iron Man, who actually is the reason Iron Man is interested in trail running. Uh, I think he said, he said, look, the model is all about, you know, getting a critical mass of people and cold pizza, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, so um, we, we shouldn't deceive ourselves. And, and whether Iron Man is going to approach trail running differently and be more attuned to our values and the things we care about is an open question. Uh, I think what it comes down to for me are a few things. 
and, and by the way, Michelle Paletti is very, both the Palettis are very concerned about this. They, they, we have had, had some long discussions about how you try to keep the values of a, what's fundamentally a, you know, European trail race uh, in an era when it's an international race. Right. You know, Michelle grew up in Chamonix, you know, he, he's, he, he understands, uh, you know, the importance of that, of keeping it that way. But, you know, what, what I came to discover in the course of doing reporting for the book is that there were quite a number of people courting UTMB. And uh, among them were some companies that I think we would all agree were worse than UTMB. <laughs> uh you know at least one of you know the logo named um but what in the you know during covid they sort of had this time out and they evaluated where they were going and how utmb international was working and what the options were and they had these suitors who were interested in them and then they, and they came to discover ultimately as one of the very last pieces of the puzzle that Iron Man was going to do a World Series with or without them. Right. And and so for me, the question, it, the real question is, do we want Iron Man doing that on their own without UTMB or with UTMB? And I'd rather have it with UTMB because when, you know, you have, you have in that office, a lot of people really passionate about trail running. I mean, I see them out every day on the trails here, you know, they have a, you know, they have a shower at the office and, you know, some of them, you know, run to work or run the vertical kilometer on their lunch hour and, you know, they, they get it. Um, uh, so I'd rather have that 20 year DNA right? and someone like Michelle who, who's run, you know, 80 plus ultra marathons, um, you know, talking to Iron Man about what's right, uh, where it goes, you know, I think we just have to have to watch and, and, and hope. I mean, the fact is, you know, money is pouring into trail running now, right? right. There's, as I talked to some private equity folks who said, trail running now has three things. It, it has a critical mass that it didn't have before. It has a desirable demographic and it has a trajectory that investors like. And so, you know, in comes, in comes the money in a bunch of different areas. Right. And uh, we're, we're in a very interesting period right now. I, I, you know, in the book, I compare it a lot to um, some other soul sports, you know, climbing, surfing, which is and surfing, right, exactly, which I think have are maybe a little bit ahead of trail running and but have sort of gone through this sort of experience. Uh, so and I think it's you know, I think trail running shares some some DNA with those with those sports because we're so passionate about it. Right. You know? So uh yeah, so we'll see. It's an interesting time, but yeah, but... and I think what what you what you're getting at also, I think, is a point that that Debo has made on his own show, which is that a lot of this is 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 on us, right? I mean, like you said, I, we we need to be um, yeah. clear eyed about 
you know, Iron Man's motives and that sort of thing. Not to say they're nefarious, but, you know, they're like you said, they're a business. But, you know, retaining the soul of the sport in some ways comes down to us. Like we we need to make it known when, you know, things aren't aren't going the way that that we, you know, want the sport to go and, and you know, use yeah. the power that we have collectively. I, I think that's exactly right. You know, and I think it's part of the natural evolution. You know, we see things now like the Professional Trail Runners Association, you know, that, you know, Killian and a few others have inspired, which is, you know, organizing to, um, you know, create some policies that maybe are a bit, you know, fairer towards pro trail runners, uh, so it's all it's all part of an interesting evolution. Yeah, yeah. You you yeah. talk a little bit in the book towards the end about um, uh, founder syndrome, which you talk about. You know, the people that 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 start yeah. businesses maybe shouldn't be the people that that run businesses. Uh, you know, into into the next phase of growth or that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And you know, it you talk you you touch a little bit on the differences between. UTMB and some of the other kind of flagship races in trail and ultra running, you know, similarly hard rock Western States. And, and, you know, those races are governed by, by boards. Uh, now they're different because those are both, you know, nonprofits, but, but those are, those are uh, governed by a, a board that, that has elections and, and um, you know, terms and, and, yeah. and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think maybe that, I, I don't know if it's the fact that they have boards that, that, lends them more transparency than than what we sometimes see on the UTMB side. But what do you, do you think that's something that, I mean, I know that that you talked yeah, about yeah, the yeah. succession plan for the Palettias and their children and how this is yeah. still going to kind of be a family business, but what, what kind of role do you think that could, that could play down the road for UTMB? Look, I mean, my, again, my American sensibility, I would love something like that. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> you know, it would be super cool. Right. Uh, um, but you know, I don't know if it's coming or not. I mean, that's, I think that's um, trying to put an American dream on what's, <laughs> uh, on a, but it's, but it's still in many ways, I mean, people may laugh when I say this, but in many ways, it's still a small French company. Right. Like, like it wasn't too long ago that UTMB would end and they would have no money in the bank or they would have a bunch of money in the bank and they would spend it all until sponsored money came in and, uh, you know, so they're 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 a very large business that in many ways operates like a small business sometimes. And I think Catherine and Michelle keep a lot of the decisions pretty closely guarded. And right. and you know, it's when you're the biggest trail race in a sole sport, you're you're there's almost this expectation that you will be um uh that you're a uh you know part part of trail running and and should be that you're owned by all of us um right. you know and it should be transparent and we should all get to vote on decisions and, <laughs> you know, but, it's, but it's not and i mean i love those models where there's a you know you get to read the minutes from a mm -hmm. nonprofit you know board <laughs> meeting and hear what's going on and see it play out but that's just not their style i mean that's the only way i can put it i mean they yeah. do they do listen to other people they have their trusted go-to sources sometimes they make mistakes 
and sometimes they they get it right yeah uh, yeah uh but you know it's a day coming when utmb is like i mean you know i would love to see like an, at least an advisory panel that had some power uh and you know who knows maybe you know american the american influence of iron man and the you know look i think that'd be good for business right you know even if iron man and utmb care only about the bottom line i think giving creating something like a um you know uh an advisory panel with some actual power with some teeth yep be uh like an incredible step in the right direction yeah yeah you know, probably diffuse some critics but it's but it's still basically in many ways just a just a French company going yeah. private French company going about its business. Right. Um right. with a feeling of like, um, I think what they might say is like, well, what you know, like, why do we owe this to anyone? You know? Right. We right. we have worked 60 hours a week for 20 years. Right. You know, can we can we please make the decisions? And and they have <laughs> I think of them as very much like American entrepreneurs. They work very hard. Uh, and they have worked very hard for a long time. And, you know, if it were me running UTMB, I'm not sure how I'd feel. I, I'd say, look, you know, uh, I've been at this for 20 years. And, and by the way, none of this was guaranteed. You know, like the first edition, um, was was it was entirely unclear what was going to happen right and they were really hard that year before and you know they deserve some some credit for for pulling it off and in subsequent years uh so if it were me and someone told me you know you you're the most important trail race you should really open up and create a nonprofit board that makes decisions <laughs> uh, i say you know what i've done pretty well i've done pretty well at this point you know i think i'm going to keep going this way thank you very much <laughs> right right exactly so, exactly i, I can understand <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the book itself or the process of writing the book. Um, tell me yeah. a little bit about your um, your exp uh, your personal experience with UTMB and and what made you want to kind of tell this yeah. story now. And uh, was this like a hard sell to uh, Richard and Hadi, or was this uh, you know uh -huh. we share we we share we share a publisher on this? So I'm I'm curious as to uh, as to your uh, your experience in in kind of I know you've worked with them before, uh, but yeah. how was this different also from writing? Uh, your previous books, which, um, you know, people should check out trail running illustrated and, um, what run the Alps. Yeah. Run the Alps Switzerland. Um, uh, there was a lot that was different about this. Um, it was, uh, well, you know, I guess the main thing was I was just curious. Um, and I thought that it was unlikely that anyone else was going to write this book because <laughs> you sort of have to be in this weird position. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I speak passable French and I know, I've, I think probably earned their respect over the years. I know this, a lot of people on the staff, um, you know, it was it's not out of skill it's out of serendipity that i it was kind of the right person to write the book and i, I was curious <laughs> um 
you know, even in Chamonix, there's a lot of heat and not a whole lot of light about UTMB. Mm. So, so, and every time I'd ask a question, I'd got a straight answer, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. it wasn't what I wanted to hear, but I, I always got an answer. And, uh, you know, it really came out of one interview, I, I think, with Michelle a few years ago, where we were just, we were sitting out back behind UTMB, behind their office after one UTMB and talking about some of these questions. And I was saying, well, like, what about this? Or here's what I hear in the US. Right. What's the deal with this? And he answered. And every time he answered, he gave a really good, interesting answer. And I I think it was then, you know, that we were like, you know, one day I want to sit down and like tell the UTMB story and ask you all those questions, all the questions, you know, and and um it just hadn't really been told, you know. Yeah. Uh, and there are a lot of wonderful. Put aside the the issues of growth and the, you know, the challenges and the missteps and stuff. The Pilates themselves have have a really interesting personal history, yeah. and you know they ran an international parapet competition, <laughs> and, right? And a lot of that informed their choices at UTMB. They 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 backed out of that when they saw where it was going with brands pushing athletes, you know, literally to their death. Right. Uh, you know, it, so um, their history was really interesting. The history of, of different moments in the race over the years, the story, the first edition, I think is, is incredible. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. So it all just came together and I really wanted to tell a story, the process of writing it, um, uh without without sounding like you know too i don't know self-promoting or whatever it was it was pretty brutal we started <laughs> we, we started with a ton of interviews during utmb last year mm -hmm. and helvetique wanted it out um for this the 20th edition of the race mm -hmm. uh and so i worked really really hard on it uh through the fall and january to the point of uh like a lot of mornings i was getting up at three o'clock in the morning wow. and and working and writing from 3 30 to 10 and then take then i would take a nap and then i would work on on run the alps my regular day job <laughs> uh you know, go to sleep early, wake up really early. Uh, it was crazy. My girlfriend, you know, English Knowles, she she was um, just like incredibly, incredibly helpful, uh, super supportive and patient and calm. And and to the point where like we, you know, and it came right down to the wire. We had a very tight schedule. We were proofreading the book on on what was supposed to be our vacation. So, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean that's a really compressed time frame to to start interviewing in August of last year and have it on the shelves in June is yeah, incredible because the the printing or you know the the proofreading the printing and everything else is a few months so that yeah. that's a very compressed time frame and, and you know this went through UTMB they we wanted them they they made no no changes. In turn, no suggestions because it wasn't part of our agreement in terms right. of editorial. 
but they did read it for for accuracy, which I appreciate. And um, uh, and I had two really really good research assistants working on the book: Joanna Flashman, Jen Hughes. Um, Jen is a past you know editor at, at uh, Ultra Sign Up, and Joanna has a, a lot of writing experience. Uh, and I could not have come close to doing it without them. Like they were key in like annotating interviews, looking for key passages, helping me weave the story together. So it was a big team effort. And and by the time it was over, I I, I put on 10 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Not as Most much time for not as much time for exploring the Alps, huh? No. <laughs> no. I have that that has, that weight has now disappeared and some more, but it was uh, by the end of January I was pretty wiped out. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet, I'll bet. And how is how is everything with Run the Alps? How many tours do you guys have going right now? Good, it's crazy. It's really busy. Um, you know, uh, to be perfectly honest, we're trying to figure out what's going on. Like, certainly some of that is a post-COVID surge. Mm -hmm. uh, some of that is a trail running surge. Some of that is maybe the natural growth of the company, uh, but it's very busy. You know, we have guided and self-guided tours uh, and we're just about everything we do is totally sold out for this year. Wow. Self-guided tours, which we can always sort of create more of. Um, so, uh, but we have a lot of fun. We, we um, I mean, it, it ties into all of this because we say our, our mission is, is is to share and also celebrate trail running in the Alps. So so we do a lot of content, uh, a lot of people writing about trail running in the Alps, whether mm. it's a guest trip or, you know, this week uh, we have um, a top a top runner from the UK team is writing an article about the um, the World Championships, uh, you know. We have an excerpt. We've 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 pulled an excerpt from the book that'll be published shortly. Uh, one excerpt from um, from Courtney and one from Jim Walmsley. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we I we all have a lot of fun trail running here. So, you know, nothing is more fun than sharing that with somebody else, right? And then seeing their their eyes light up the same way. So. Uh, you run the Alps is a blast. That's great. Do you need any tour guides? <laughs> you always come over and hang out. Um, tour guides. The problem with tour guides here, or the not, it's I guess it's it's really a benefit. It, it keeps the quality high. Is that tour guides in the Alps have to be? It's a very highly regulated profession. Mm, right. So so actually to just to be a trail running guy and accompany a tour or a company trees uh, is about a two year process. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and you either have to do in the UK or or really France. So there are very few American trail running guides, but you could be one of the first. Okay, I'm gonna take you up on that. That sounds good. <laughs> Doug, before I let you go, we have to uh, play a game. And I, I'm going to bring this game back from uh, the old days of the podcast, which we, we've gotten away from, okay. from doing this one. But uh, we'll, we'll bring this one back for, for this occasion. Uh, we're going to play Desert Island Picks. Okay. I know you're a, 
You're you're, sure. you're my generation. You know the Desert Island Discs of uh, of yeah, of York. Absolutely. So I'm gonna yeah. send you. To, I'm gonna send you to a desert island for a year. You are gonna get okay. to bring one book, one album, okay. one food, and one beer. One book, okay. one one album, one food, one beer. What are you bringing on a desert island? Now is it? Do we we can obviously veer out of trail running here, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's see. It's a good question. One book. I'm going to want a really long book. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I guess this is what everyone says, right? Uh, so I don't know. I'll, I'll take a, a, a hero's journey kind of thing. How about the Odyssey? Oh, excellent. I mean, there's a big project, right? That'll yeah. that'll get. I may not even be done with it by the time the cruise ship comes. <laughs> up. Uh, well, let's see. I get to bring some music too, right? Yes, one album. Oh, you're killing me because I used to work at a rock station and I love so much music. Um, one album, oh boy, can it be a double album? I mean, sure. now I'm all right. Well, I mean, let's just bring uh, you know, hot rocks from the, the from the Rolling Stones. Nice, uh, boring answer, but plenty, plenty of good tunes with good hooks, and I can dance absolutely. Can yeah, one um, food, one food. Uh, well, look. I mean, I'm going to go with my favorite Alps dish here, which would be crudo fromage. Uh, a ton of cheese, a big slab of bread with some with some white wine on it, some pepper, and bake it all. I assume I have the oven so I can make it. Yeah, absolutely. So, that sounds delicious. Oh, it's oh, it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. So, wow. uh, uh, is that it? Do I get something else? You get you get one beer. On beer. Well, look, I have to turn to my buddy, Jack uh, Geldard, who runs Big Mountain Big Mountain Brewery here in Chamonix. Okay. They make really, really good beers. And they have a beer I just had. I forget what it's called now, but it was uh, aged in some old single malt casks. Uh, and it's a, it was a, like a winter dark beer. Nice. But super tasty. So I'll take that with me. That sounds uh, great. That's it. That sounds good with some cheesy bread too. Yeah, perfect. Exactly. <laughs> right. So that's awesome. That Doug, sounds great. Thank you so much. The book is "The Race to Change Running: The Inside Story of UTMB." It is available today in wherever you get your wherever you get your books. What, what's your preferred method of of people picking this one up for you? Local bookshop, obviously. Local bookshop, absolutely. I grew up in a local one of those shops outside New York City. With well, my mom ran a bookstore, so so please support your your local bookstore because they're, they're important. Yeah. Good, good. Also available on sites that rhyme with Blamazon and Charns and <laughs> Fobel or whatever it is. Doug, yeah. thank you so much, and uh, good luck with the book and everything else. Thanks a lot. Really nice to talk with you. You as well. Thanks to everyone for listening. Until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded like a good old pair of jeans. Rusted like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seen too much rain. But long ago, as a child, I look about the night sky in wild wonderment. 
Still young, and I was still.